Hello and welcome to Creative Hood. I'm your host, Melanie, and today we are joined by Al. Hey, Al. Hi, Melanie. So, what do you do? I am a father and a photographer. Aww. Yes, father first. <laughs> to a beautiful little girl. How'd you get into photography? In the first, I mean, I, I guess everyone's, well, not everybody, but a lot of people are kind of into photography in a way, you know. With, yeah, everyone's a photographer now, with Everyone right? is, absolutely. <laughs> uh, with, with smartphones, I, before digital started, I mean, I kind of played with film cameras a little bit, uh, but it was really the getting my first digital camera made made a difference i guess because i was in it before okay. so i'd been working in it and i was used to the kind of technology aspect so digital was interesting to me mm-hmm. but then i got more serious as i started kind of well so my wife or girlfriend at the time was um had studied photography and so we'd take photos together and while i was happy with what I composed there were times when she could just take better pictures because she knew I mean she's very talented as well she knew um, about the technology though and understood the cameras more than I did mm-hmm. uh, so so I started getting frustrated and I set myself to to learn properly about the technology and the settings and how to control those things mm-hmm. um, so that's probably like the the early steps but I always always enjoyed it even from like my first digital camera um just you know just experimenting and playing around with it mm-hmm. um, and is this back in England can you tell us where you're from too because obviously you have an accent <laughs> uh, yeah and no, I just put this on when I'm in America <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah so I'm from England originally uh, so yeah it was in in England that I, that I started although so we moved to France uh, seven years ago now and it was in France that I started taking it more seriously and started it as a, as a business cool yeah, later on, like to know how like being in different countries has affected your style too. My but... my dress style or like the <laughs> photography. Photography. Okay, let's style. keep it to photography. Yeah. You dress like uh, American t-shirt, sweater, very American. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with photography, everyone thinks they are a photographer. Everyone has a camera on their phone, but what distinguishes a professional photographer from a casual? photographer so those terms are quite tricky aren't they because Mm -hmm. like strictly professional is about is about the money i mean whether you're charging Mm -hmm. for for the activity as opposed to necessarily the quality of the of the work Mm -hmm. um and there's an argument that an amateur photographer um can be better better than a professional and you know there's no doubt that's that's true i'm sure there are plenty of professionals that you know that aren't that good at just just learning or um you know kind of aren't at the top of the game um so but you know there should be there should be that um that process or that kind of control around if you're if you're photographing for a client then you you know you need to respect that client you need to understand what what they're looking for um, you need to make clear to them what you're going to be delivering. You know, you need to understand contracts and the mm-hmm. financial sides of things and accounting. So there's all kind of that mm-hmm. surrounding aspect to, to being a professional photographer. Mm-hmm. All right. So I have a list of questions that we're going to get through. Great. And so the best way to kind of organize this is someone who just picks up a camera for the first time. Where's a good place to start camera wise? What should you learn if you really want to improve your photography? So choosing a camera, I've got my own preferences. And something that I think is often overlooked is how it's not just the quality, because most cameras, most, um, you know, you go into Best Buy or wherever, b and <laughs> most of those cameras are going to be great and do a very similar job and um i mean there there are small variations but in a way the lens makes more difference than the camera body mm-hmm. and the photographer makes makes more difference than whatever gear they're using mm-hmm. um i recommend like something fairly small 
so you can have it with you. If you you know if you're serious about learning, then having a camera with you as much as possible is gonna is gonna help. Um, not just some you know not just when you're when you're traveling and but even when you're traveling you know having a lighter camera is going to be way easier than carrying around something big and heavy all the time mm-hmm. um, what is the difference between mirrorless cameras and mirror i guess is what you would call it can you guess <laughs> <laughs> but what so, does that actually mean yeah i mean it helps in terms of size so a, a dslr or a, an slr before the digital terms um, single lens reflex has a uh has a mirror that um that allows you to see effectively what the lens is seeing so the mirror um uh bounces the the light through to the viewfinder so you can see that directly a mirrorless camera uses either just uses the back screen or uses Mm -hmm. an electronic viewfinder Mm -hmm. Um, so a kind of a recreation of the scene if you like but it means that the camera can, uh, they're not always smaller, but they can be smaller. It allows the manufacturers to make, make smaller cameras. Is there a difference in the quality of photo that's taken with them? No, no. I, uh, there, are, there are high-end mirrorless cameras now. For, for a while, the, probably a more of a limiting factor was the quality of the viewfinder. If you were mm. looking through an electronic viewfinder and moving quickly, say it was sports for example then you would you might notice a lag in the in the viewfinder you mm. could tell it was a digital uh, you know yeah. digitally recreated image um and the speed of focusing initially wasn't as good as as dslrs it's uh, it's caught up now i would say like they're on a par the very the best mirrorless cameras are on, on a par with the best dslrs uh, and so you're saying probably the bulk of the price will come when you are buying lenses. Right? Yeah. So what are the different types of lenses? What are they good for? What do you use? Because you use a tiny little camera and you take amazing photos. I'm like, how? And then some other photographers have these like paparazzi size mm. lenses that they're using. So what is the differences between different lenses? It depends what you want to do. Like if you're, if you're photographing sports, but most sports um, where your subjects are going to be a distance away from you then you typically need a, a long lens I mean the cameras I use are going to be you know if I if I take a photograph at a NFL game with this it's gonna you know you you barely be able to see the players mm-hmm. um, right. you know I can take photos of the crowd around me um, mm-hmm. right now he's holding like a cassette size camera I brought this because I was going to photograph you while you're podcasting. We're doing the podcast. Yeah. No, I'm supposed to take photos of you. That's oh, how okay. this works. Oh, nice. Uh, so, yeah, I I like having something very small and discreet. You know, I do street photography and I like the, the, the candid documentary kind of elements of that. So having a small camera, A, I have it with me more often, but I think it's mm-hmm. it's also that much more discreet, I think. It doesn't... Um, it doesn't make much sound, so I'm going to take a picture now. Just okay. to see if, I, like, <laughs> I don't know whether the microphone picked it up. You'll probably hear it a little bit. Yeah, just a tiny little. <laughs> yeah, but most, you know, you'll barely notice that. And mm-hmm. yeah, so, versus the yes, big cameras. Yeah, <laughs> but this is a wide lens, so this is very similar to the field of view of a typical smartphone camera. Mm-hmm. Although you know there are now multiple multiple lenses in most mm-hmm. smartphones but it's that kind of fairly wide you know includes a lot of the environment um not necessarily great for portraits but there's no reason why you couldn't take portraits on it um but a, a wider lens tends to be just physically smaller than a, a telephoto or like a you know a long distance lens anyway but for someone that's learning i'd recommend so the standard um the standard focal lengths of 50, like you might have heard the term nifty 50. Um, (laughs) It's very much a kind of all purpose, like you could do portraits with it, you could do street photography with it. Um, That's a classic focal length and and 35 for something a bit wider, but they're they're really good all purpose lenses. But they're also, I I use fixed or prime lenses, so rather than zoom lenses. Uh, again, size and the quality you get for the for the price, 
but also it it, it takes one thing out of your your thinking. So you imagine you're thinking about taking a picture. If you've got a, if you've got a zoom lens, one of the things you need to think about is whether you're going to zoom in or out or how you're going to set the focal length. You don't have that option if you're shooting with prime lenses. So mm -hmm. it takes takes one thing out of the equation. You, mm -hmm. I mean, you could choose to move closer or further right. away. Mm -hmm. uh, Very cool. Um... And there's like a ton of YouTube videos out there that like test different lenses. So if you want to get like specific and people mm. do like tests and stuff, so you can go watch all those videos. Yeah. Um, you keep talking about like portrait, street, these different different styles of photography. How does someone discover their style? Well, the so those are genres, I suppose, as opposed to like, so even take street photographers there'll be a whole range of different styles within that and mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of people talk about finding their own style you know their unique unique vision or look to their pictures um i guess so in terms of genre first if someone's just starting out i would just say try any types of photography um see i, I think it takes a bit of time but you gradually start to work out what you what you enjoy, what you mm -hmm. like doing. You might find you enjoy every sorts of photography, and that's great. And it might be a case of um, picking a favourite or actually what's most accessible. Mm -hmm. You know, if we weren't living near New York, then if if we we're out in the countryside, then street photography would be very different, and mm -hmm. portraiture might be more accessible. Um, or commercial photography might be more accessible. Um, so I think that's a that's a factor as well. Uh, in terms of style, I it's a really tricky one because I I almost think that too much emphasis is placed on it. I know, like it's great when someone says, "Oh, I, you know, I I knew that photo was yours. I recognise the style." A lot of people are kind of looking for that and like that. And I think with Instagram, in a way, it puts a lot of pressure on people to to show a unique style and a consistent style. And that kind of makes sense. And it also makes sense from a client, if you're looking to be a professional, it makes sense from a client perspective to know what they're going to get, you know, what, mm -hmm. how the pictures are likely to look. But I tend to think that a better question is, what do you want to say? Mm -hmm. It gets a bit deep I suppose go for it but well I think because it's something I'm still working through like what do I want to say through my images what do I want them to stand for what do I want them to mean and I think that should inform how how the picture looks you know what's the purpose of a, a specific image is it is it in a series with um, you know, it's a part of a project. Is it, is it a series of images? Do they need to look consistent? Is there a is there a, a mood or a feeling or um, something that I want to portray mm -hmm. through the image? Uh, I I think that should govern it. And you you know, if there's a so like so for example, if there's a social cause that you that you care most about, or um, you know, maybe it's or maybe it's you, you know, your kids or your family that you you want to photograph most. Then, what you want to say about them and the way you want to show them, I think, should um, should drive and help you decide how you want those photos to look, and therefore how you might mm -hmm. choose to uh, process them. Assuming you're doing some digital manipulations and photoshopping or snap seeding or whatever, <laughs> which is a whole nother. Um, thing, but what kind of elements are you looking at when you are taking a photo? That would depend on the genre a little bit of the situation. So uh, sometimes I do go out, if it's for street photography, I do have usually something in mind that I might be looking for. And it, it might be light and shadow. It might be kind of expressions. Um, you know, I might be thinking about... Uh, I might be thinking about color specifically or um, a, a certain type of person. I might be thinking about approaching strangers for portraits. Uh, in, in an event, 
it's and there's a lot of there's a lot of crossover between the genres right in terms of um, you know the skills and the techniques and they can kind of influence each other uh, but in an event it's often the, the the little expressions or the little moments like the the interactions between people the little connections the reactions to something happening you know all that kind of thing and you can have you can plan to an extent you can think you know how can I tell the story of um, this party or um, you know whatever's happening how what type of pictures might best um, show that and you know typically you might sh- have some some wide pictures as an introduction you might have a few detailed pictures but I think a lot of it is you just have to respond to to what's there and what's happening and kind of try to watch and and be ready and you you, you just can't you can't be ready for everything you, you're gonna miss some um unfortunately i think that's you know that's always the case but mm-hmm. um yeah does that answer the question yes okay. yeah after you have a photo you are talking about editing a little bit yeah um what kind of software is out there what are some like general practices for like a good edit to a photo versus like an edit that's gone too far um mm. are there kind of golden rules around that if we so i guess you could divide that into smartphone mm-hmm. photography as opposed to using a camera and then loading into a laptop so uh if i focus on the the laptop the standard adobe software like adobe kind of is still the the king or the you know the, the they have by far the biggest user base and the photoshop has obviously been a standard for for a long time and um but photoshop takes a lot of learning um lightroom is a uh, much more accessible package and can do it depends what you want to do with the photos i mean you know there's certain things that lightroom can't do for but for the majority of us and for i say like almost all 99% of the photos that I work on I can do anything that I want to in Lightroom but it's 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 an interesting time because there are quite a few competitors now um there's Capture One there's um Alien Skin Exposure there's On One there's a whole variety of packages which are very similar to Lightroom and because Adobe have started charging subscription fees as opposed to just a one-off payment a lot of people are looking at alternatives i'm actually using it it was called alien skin they've actually renamed themselves to exposure software Um, so i use exposure and it's very similar to lightroom does all the same kind of stuff there i i mean you mentioned the right point in terms of not going too far and i think that probably is best golden rule i mean it can be useful to go too far just to see what a setting does Mm -hmm. and and how it's going to affect your individual picture Mm -hmm. um but then to dial it back to a point which is much more subtle um it it does again depend what you want to say from the image you know some people might want something that has extremely high contrast you know that could be a style um and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that if you think that gets across what you what you want from the picture but i think it's a danger to have too much processing and trying to create um something that wasn't there or, or originally trying to um you know turn a average pe- picture into something better mm-hmm. which can be done you know processing can make a picture uh, there's a photographer, uh, Richard Kochi Hernandez, who's he's very much a iPhone photographer, although I think he's he's doing more camera work now. But he does a lot of processing. He 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 talks about going from one app to another to another to put processing on top of processing, and mm-hmm. um, uh, and so some people for some people that would be way too far. You know, the mm-hmm. kind of purists would say. Um, you know get it right in in camera show um, as to what you want to show but he creates very interesting moods from from that processing he does so yeah experimenting is is Mm -hmm. good but I think uh, it's not difficult to find 
people have taken that processing too far and it's in it and it's obvious you know if you if you look at a picture and what strikes you is how it's been processed as opposed to what the picture is about then i think in, in a lot of cases it's it's not achieving its its aim mm-hmm. true um for someone who wants to start a photography business what do they need to learn and how do they charge people for what they do what's a good way um what's a good kind of formula for deciding what to charge someone Mm. in terms of what they need to learn i guess it's where it depends where they're coming from and what you know what their background is so for me i was switching from one career path to another so having worked in business that kind of side of things i had to an extent but not as a not as a business owner so for me there were elements of well marketing for sure was a big element for me to try to get to grips with um but you know if a marketer's going to um, to be a photographer then they'd already have that strength so yeah like the financial side is definitely it's definitely one aspect and how to charge I was listening to some wedding photographers recently saying that they felt there's a, a lot of wedding photographers that undercharge for their work. I mean, this was, they're based in the UK, so it may be a little bit different here. But the problem is if you're, it's easy to think about the time that you're photographing and exclude the time that you're then working on those pictures, both from your perspective and how you think the client is viewing your um, your work, your activity. So it's easy to feel like, oh, they're going to think I'm I'm overcharging because mm-hmm. I'm only photographing a three-hour event. I'm only mm-hmm. so it like on the surface it looks like you're working for three hours, but actually the time it the time it takes to go through those images and select the select the ones that you want to work on and then and then work on those and put them together. Um, as well as the other activities that go around the business, I think a lot of people do undercharge, and then that puts pressure on them to try and book in too much work, and you know they end up overworking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think the best advice is to to well, I mean, there's a few approaches. Probably the best one is to think about what you need to earn. If you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to be a full-time photographer, so over a year, then I I need X amount, to, you know, as my income to not just cover my bills, but you know, to to live. And you work, can work from there if you're going to be a wedding photographer. Um, how many how many weddings would you do? You think you can book, or would you ideally book through through a year? And therefore, to get that desired level of income, how much would I need to charge? You may, if you're absolutely just starting out, you may not be able to charge to to that level. You know, we all do and have to when we're starting take some like lower paid or um, or some free work to to build a portfolio. And, mm-hmm. and also apprenticing with other photographers. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And there's you know there's nothing wrong with all those things. Um, another. A way that I ended up working was deciding I had a a kind of day rate so if i was if I was going to be the majority of the day with a client, then I would use that, but also thinking about the processing time that I would be doing um so i I kind of had a a kind of list of rates that I would use depending on the situation um to be honest for depended a little bit on how much I wanted the the gig as well <laughs> mm-hmm. um so I might charge more for for work that wasn't necessarily my favorite type of um, type of photography um so yeah I think having understanding your kind of your day rate and hourly rate how much you might typically charge for an event um and and not getting it too complicated, I think some photographers can have, you know, a, a wide range of different packages. And I think maybe that gets a bit too complicated for, for clients who, who probably just want a simple, a simple mm-hmm. response. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to that photographer-client relationship, what should a regular person who doesn't know much about photography be looking in a photographer they're going to hire 
say for an event or a wedding or family photos, you know, and what is that photographer looking for from the client as well? Mm, interesting. I I would definitely uh, obviously look at their work. Hopefully they're showing, you know, from a client's perspective, look at a few photographers and see what appeals to you most and, and probably think a little bit about why, which of their images do you um, do you connect with? Um, and that might guide you a little bit as to the, the type of photographer. I think ideally you get on well, you know, you make a contact and you they're responsive and, you, you know, you make a connection there. Um, I keep going back to weddings, I guess, because that's a, that, it's a very common you know mm-hmm. uh, from a, from an individual client perspective but it could be portrait shoots as well um, it's it definitely I believe works best when you can see the style of the photographer and and you know that's the type of images you want rather than thinking that's a named photographer or uh, I I like their travel photos from Tunisia so I might get them to shoot some portraits of my dog like (laughs) you know um might not translate it might not no uh but yeah I mean try and make a connection and see how um see how that goes I think from the from a photographer's perspective the same kind of thing you know you want a client that likes your style of of photography mm-hmm. um, as much as possible, make it clear to them, help them understand what what they're going to get. And you want a client who's not going to kind of change that and suddenly ask for something completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're a documentary style photographer, you then don't want to spend two hours on the wedding day with, you know, set up group shots. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a portrait session, in in a studio you you know there might be well, well be specific types of lighting that that photographer will will use so you can see the kind of looks that they they they're likely to give you mm-hmm. um so asking for something different probably not going to work out well i mean it might you know the 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 best photographers are going to adapt to most situations mm-hmm. um, have you worked in the commercial space of photography I have. Uh, I've worked with not not to a great extent. It's never been my primary um, okay. focus on most of the clients. From kind of your own personally picked projects, I guess. Or like, what is expected from a photographer that's hired for like an advertising campaign? Yeah. Um, so the the relationships I've had have been quite different in terms of the commercial relationships have been ongoing. Whereas, well, it's not absolutely true. I suppose like family portraits, you know, often that can be like an annual thing. So there is an ongoing relationship there, but often with the commercial, it's more, it's more regular, especially with social media, then a lot of the need is for, you know, regular input, regular images that that they can use. Mm -hmm. Certainly in the, um, the commercial contracts that, that I've had. So different from that perspective usually there's there's more understanding and familiarity with with contracts and so that that business side can be more expected and not not always straightforward but you know there's it's expected to have an established contract and um you know formal invoicing etc um whereas with with individual clients you need to work out how formal to get with that kind of stuff Mm-hmm. Um, um, as a photographer, who are you working with? What are different types of roles you interact with? Mm. So you mean if you're going to a larger commercial client, for yeah. example? I mean, if you're on your own, are you just kind of like doing your own thing? Is there not a lot of people? Yeah, with, no. But right? so personally, I've worked with mainly smaller brands, so it's okay. usually been like a few p- people in the in the company. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually the business owner that personally I've been dealing with, but that's because they've been smaller companies, startups, or um, you know local brands, as opposed to the um, 
the big corporate names mm-hmm. um there might be you know where it might be uh an art director or your you know your marketing department um but yeah so i'm probably not the best person to answer that in terms of dealing with the bigger companies well not that yet. answered it like usually it is like an art director that finds a photographer that photos things in the style that they want for this and then you would be brought in to kind of execute on this grand idea that they have um which is always interesting because when you think photographer you do think like the lone wolf who's doing their own thing and taking whatever photos they want but it can be like a a commercial career as well oh yeah like a lot of companies will have dedicated you know full-time photographers um available for whatever they need to be done you know even mm-hmm. there might not even be product shots it you know it could be a financial company that that use a photographer for whatever the marketing campaigns are or um, to photograph their events or you know keep a record of, of what's happening mm-hmm. um, yeah very cool um, what is your favorite thing to photograph? Hmm. That changes. So I usually say people, and that's whether that's portraits or street or events. I've, I think people are also the most challenging in for me anyway. I think that mm-hmm. um, a, a portrait is such a a unique and um to create like a great portrait you know if you if you study the greatest portraits there's usually something very it could be something quirky or something a little bit different you know and how do you tease out those different like expressions or characteristics or um i think it's such an interesting art form um uh, that you know you're kind of never perfect mm-hmm. um and, and it's always different you know you can't just look at um a a portrait of winston churchill and say oh okay i'm gonna i'm gonna set up the same lighting mm-hmm. and ask them to have the same expression or something you know that was the the best portraits are probably something unique to the the person but it might not be their overriding characteristic it might be you know teasing out something a little bit different about them and uh, and you know different photo- photographers have different techniques of of doing that so i i heard about a guy who would who would um have his camera ready and so the subject's sitting for their portraits and then he'll just wait and wait and wait until the subject just doesn't know what's going on and reacts to that and that's the moment that he captures whatever expression they then have in reaction to that that circumstance that um so yeah like you know there are different other people will will keep the conversation going that's that's what i normally do Um, but also watch for those moments when the subject isn't expecting you to be photographing necessarily the i've some people talk about the the photograph between you know kind of between moments between mm-hmm. the expected moments um but yeah portraiture i think is fascinating but i love street photography as well i love the um the candid aspect of not interfering with the scene you, you still you're still making choices about what you include within the picture um, so I know some, you know, some street photographers talk about documenting, and I don't think we typically do. Although we're we're, we're showing something on the street, we're looking for moments, and we're looking for an interesting composition or how elements fit together, as opposed to just like this is how the street looked today. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's strictly documenting, really, but. Um, I love that as an exercise as well, but it can be very frustrating. Like you can, some days it just doesn't work out or you don't, you don't find anything or you don't feel the inspiration, if that's the right term. Um, but then it's, it's also very accessible. You know, okay. if you're, if you happen to be in a city or town, you can, you can walk out the door and um, look for, see what catches your eye. Mm-hmm. 
So we've done a couple of photo um, workshops together where you've led it. Yeah. And one was on smartphone photography. Yes. What are three things people can do to take better pictures on their phone? Interesting. (laughs) So some of those would apply to a camera as well. Mm -hmm. The, The phone... So one of the limitations with the phone, there's a couple really, like lower light phones typically struggle if it's darker conditions. If you're indoors, um, say it's evening, then phones typically don't do as well, although the the manufacturers are working on on those. Mm. Um, And the other thing is you want, if you want that, again, there's something that's changing, but if you want that blurred background, then you either use these portrait modes, which are, I don't know how you find it, but they're like, they're not perfect, are they? Mm-hmm. Some, sometimes they get it just right, but sometimes... Yeah, sometimes you see a jagged outline. Exactly, yeah. Around the hair or if there's like a fence or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, so that can be tricky. You can get, if you still want that blurred background and you can get really close to an object, then that can still blur out the background, even on a phone camera. So that can still potentially get the look that you want, maybe. Keeping it steady, and especially in low light, is always going to help, no matter what phone or camera you're using. You know, so as steady as you can keep it while you press the button. Mm-hmm. People talk about squeezing the shutter, and I think the same applies on a phone, rather than kind of, um, and I'm guilty of this sometimes, kind of tapping at the the screen to, mm-hmm. to take the photo, being being gentle with it. Because that, you know, yeah, that tap's going to kind of poking it. it really hard, yeah. being a gentle little tap. Yes. Will help the... Yeah, it keeps it more still, and you're less likely to get a blurred picture. Um, it's a good challenge though, because if you can't blur the background, I think a few of us as photographers can. It's easy to start to rely on the black background being blurred, and so kind of forgetting about it, which is which is a bit lazy. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a good challenge with your phone to actually think about, you know, say you're taking a portrait to think about what the background is like and how that interacts with the subject and how you're going to, you're going to frame them and whether you want them to move. So the the wall behind them doesn't have a picture on it or, um, you know, something that's going to um, maybe complicate or distract from what you want to be the subject of the picture. Mm-hmm. So that the, like, they're great. They're great tools and there are dedicated, you know, phone photographers now. There are people that have photographed weddings just with phones as commercial photographers. Um, There have been magazine covers there and, um, you know, there are awards specifically for phone photography. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's no reason why they can't be great pictures. Uh, speaking of like workshops and conferences and these competitions, I know you're involved in like attending some of these things. What have you gone to? What do you take out of them? Mm. Should other photographers go to these types of things? Yeah, I, I'm kind of feeling like I want to do that a little bit more than, than I have been recently. Um, when I was starting out, I definitely went to a few workshops because I'm kind of mostly self-taught. Like I didn't. I didn't strictly study photography I've, you know, over a long college course or anything like that. I think the main things I learned from the workshop were not necessarily through, it might sound strange, but not necessarily through the teaching itself, not necessarily through someone saying, do this or do that. It was more, sometimes it's the inspiration, you know, sometimes it's the connections, you're there with other photographers, you're, you're meeting people, you're interacting with them, you're seeing how other people work. Sometimes it's, to be honest, it's if you, if you know and admire the workshop leader, then it's the, it's the knowing that they're going to be looking at your photographs, I think, (laughs) pushes you to, to, do, to better do better work yeah <laughs> to really concentrate on what you're doing and you haven't got a lot of time necessarily to to make those pictures so I definitely think they're beneficial uh, I do think I've been thinking about this more and more in the way that I teach that I want to not be too prescriptive in terms of 
because I mean we talked about style earlier and you want people to have their own way of photographing um, I don't think a teacher should be looking for to have their students photograph in the same way that they do they'll have their own not necessarily techniques but um, different visual language different things will appeal to them they might they might prefer different colors or um, you know different types of images so to kind of in in my teaching to help people find their own encourage them to find their own direction and help that that creativity without being too prescriptive so but you know being for example in one place on the street and not saying oh look you could make a picture here of this thing that's happening um this person walking past in that shadow that would work really well explaining that that's the, the things that I'm looking for and the way I might compose but encouraging them to to see what catches their own eye and mm -hmm. to find the type of pictures that, that they want to make mm -hmm. cool. um, what is something about photography that you want people to know hmm. it's that's a tough question because it's it it means it means so much to me or has kind of become a lot of my life that but I don't necessarily know whether that's you know it's not going to be the same for everybody I I do think that there's I do think that most of us want and need a creative outlet and photography is a very accessible way of doing that it might not i'm sure it's not the best way for everybody but it could be um so it's worth you know it's worth trying out which alongside you know many other forms from you know writing or drawing you know try out different different aspects but i think photography is um it's very available um you don't need to your phone is fine to um to learn with and, and try out and if if your photographs have only been the kind of I don't know if snapshots is the right word we kind of think of snapshots as being a bit like critically as not being good photographs but I think they can be they can be great captures of a specific moment but if if your if your photographs are mostly of that style then just experiment a little bit with something else, whether it's around your house. Try and make something interesting with um, the things around your kitchen. Or um, it doesn't have to be abroad. It doesn't have to be New York, or um, it doesn't have to be a a war zone. Or um, you know, it it can be, and maybe it's better being whatever's around you. Maybe that's more true to you know what you should be showing in your own. Um, photography or creativity what camera equipment would you take with you for the rest of your life am I allowed to buy new stuff <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> this is tricky so so I like small cameras theoretically a Leica would would be a good choice it's a lot of I like us quite a lot of money. I mean, they're the classic cameras that a lot of documentary photographers use. So, you know, they've got great reputation. Um, a digital Leica, that would be tempting. I'm, I'm very, well, not very, but I'm quite brand loyal to Fujifilm in, in some ways. And they do an X100 series of cameras which are which are small and quiet and really beautiful cameras and i sold one last year and regretted it and i've kind of regretted it since <laughs> <laughs> so i think probably uh yeah fujifilm x100 which uh, by the way i also think is a great camera to learn on nice anything else you want to say before we get to the final two questions no <laughs> I, I don't think so i haven't taken a picture of you yet though uh -oh. so i still need to do that okay let but, me fix um, my hair 
Hey, we're a podcast. <laughs> okay. You'll this need is like, going to be the... I'm talking to you. No, no. But you can, you can keep talking with the uh, two final questions. Okay. So the first of the final questions. One, how would you define creativity? I can't. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know there's a camera. You know. I get very awkward in front of cameras, and I get a double chin, and I turn weird. <laughs> I creativity. So I think I probably mentioned earlier that I think we all have a, a kind of inbuilt and natural desire to be creative in some form or other. When my first career in IT, I started off as a programmer and that was that was making stuff. So I think I had some I had some flexibility to be creative in, in doing that. And I don't think creativity means it has to be an it has to be an artist. I don't think you have to be in an artistic role to be creative. I mean, Grant talked about entrepreneurship and how creative that can be I think you can be in a creative role as a photographer I could be completely uncreative in in taking a picture that I don't know say I copy um, a photograph that someone else already made or or I take take a photograph with no attention or emotion or uh, or interest you know very casually there's there's probably very little creativity in that even though i am making something um whereas i think you can be in a be in a factory job but be creative in the way that you the way that you do it and the way that you interact with your colleagues um but i think that it, it is the making something for me that that i like the, the producing something you know whether that was encoding or now in the pictures but it's also the process you know I think I like the process of photography more than I like having the pictures that I've made that that those steps of um, of making something of, of um, trying to trying to make something interesting or or beautiful and and I know that's not necessarily being it's not necessarily creating something new I don't think my photographs are something new and special that hasn't been done before um, but I mean those two photographs are usually you know identical but we're using ideas that from other photographers and other mediums and um uh, finding inspirations in in all kind of different avenues and hopefully using a little bit of that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answers it, but ma- yeah, there... making stuff. Yeah, um, I feel like photography has a certain brand of patience that you need to like wait till you find the good photo mm-hmm. or even like patience with yourself as you're learning how to take better photos Mm. that like for me I was like I don't ever want to be a photographer because like I see where my photos are now and I'm like I don't want to put in the time to like get better Mm. at this and so I don't know is there do you find there's a certain kind of mindset you need to have it's not the same with the thing low that I to like there's not there's not many things (laughs) you can start and just do well I don't think Mm um unless they're really not complicated but I mean there's a famous quote I think it was Henri Cartier-Bresson said your first 10,000 photographs will be your worst (laughs) um there's yeah there's I think there's always that patience through those those learning steps and the frustrations when you got something wrong or you um you know you didn't it just didn't turn out how you wanted it to or you you can't can't make the camera create what you what you had in mind i think some genres there's definitely a huge patience element like landscape photography which i've you know kind of dappled with a bit when i'm traveling but it's not really my thing but you know if you're waiting for that that light for that perfect sunset and then it it doesn't happen and you know 
you've been there for three hours after a long hike or something and then you, you have to go back the next day and <laughs> do the whole the same thing again yeah uh so yeah so, and some some street photographers i think are incredibly patient there's um there's this kind of saying that if you've seen something happen but you didn't you weren't ready to photograph it or you know you just call the corner of your eye like the likelihood is it will happen again you know so say it's um say it's a bird flying past a window or something like there's a good chance that that happen again at some point but how long you have to wait for that to happen or like you know an interesting per- person walking through walking just out of a shadow for example you so i think we all have different kind of thresholds as to how long how much we care about that one picture and how long we're we're willing to wait there or how many times we're willing to go back to that to that same place to see if that if that picture happens Um, so some could be very patient with that and some are more like walking photographers will always be um, very active always kind of looking around and moving moving to the next scene rather than sitting waiting for something to come to them Mm -hmm. how long have you been photographing for professionally i started about eight seven eight years ago something like that and Uh, then before that yeah i mean so my first with film cameras it gets a bit vague but i mean i do have i do have a picture of um family and friends that i presumably took because i'm not in it um (laughs) (laughs) from when i was i must be seven or eight or something Mm -hmm. um but my first digital camera, I was going to say, yeah, I don't know, early to very early 2000s, I think. I should know, 2002 maybe, something <laughs> like that. And would you say that like living in France, living in England and now the US, this kind of like mix of cultures has influenced your style or do you feel like that has any effect on how you photograph? Hmm. I think the the places do for sure. So I realised having having come from Paris and photographing in New York, I realised that for a long time I'd be photographing um, landscape style, you know, as in wide. Um, so holding the camera in the kind of normal position rather than twisting it ninety degrees. Mm-hmm. I found that in New York I was shooting vertically. Um, at 90 degrees way more often and and I thought it kind of makes sense I think of New York as a very vertical city mm-hmm. um, so it did make sense that that's how I was um, reacting to it I suppose responding to what I was photographing um, so I think there's there's that kind of aspect and it's a very different photographing in New York as opposed to London or Paris is a very different feel I think like Manhattan can sometimes still feel a bit overwhelming like there's too much choice there's Mm -hmm. just people everywhere and I think I could have mentioned this in terms of creativity but like it can be really helpful just to set yourself some limitations you know so you're gonna look for shadows or a certain type of person or a certain scene rather than just you know if you're there with your camera and you've you've just left the path station or the the subway and there's there's just too much choice you know mm-hmm. um it's everything is very fast <laughs> yes yeah it's hard to know what to look for and i think you know paris and london are, are that bit slower um but I'm, I'm photographing more in in jersey city now and I think that does that does show the patience element that I, I feel like there it, it's a really interesting place to photograph, um, and in a way, you know, Manhattan's been photographed so much that it's interesting to photograph a, a slightly different place, even though it's very close. But it's that much slower, and there are that much less people around that you have to be that much more patient in terms of finding the pictures quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Cool. All right. Final question. Okay. What do you want to pass on to the next generation? It's obviously like having a young daughter makes me 
think about this more. And there was a, a suggestion in a book about journaling, and I do journal anyway, but journaling specifically the lessons that you that you want to pass on. I think in terms of specifics, one thing that I th I think has held me back in a way. So, so with my daughter, I, I realized that I was using the word careful mm. quite often. You know, if she's playing in a playground, I'd, I'd, I'd say, or even at home, you know, I'll be careful. Naturally. Yes. Yeah. You know, I don't want her to get hurt. Um, but it made me think, actually, I don't want her to feel that she has to live a careful life. I want her to understand dangers and risks and I want her to learn, but I don't want her to be too careful that mm -hmm. um, she doesn't, you know, take risks, not necessarily physical risks necessarily, <laughs> but I guess it could be. Um, and I think for, you know, as, as adults that we can often have a, a fear of what other people think uh, that can that can be damaging, that can hold us back, that can constrain us. And I don't have all the answers to, to avoiding that. You know, it's, it's definitely something I have to work through a lot more. But I think that's, it's something to really be aware of, I think, that can really constrain us. And um, as much as you can overcome that fear the the better in terms of having having freedom in what you what you do and how you act and how your relationships are very cool thank you that's it unless you want to say anything else i don't think so I've... all right thanks Mary. cool if you ever get a chance to learn from al if you ever do a workshop ever again go to it i'm obviously going to tag you in all the instagram posts and whatnot but your photography does have a very distinct voice to it and it is cool to hear you talk about more of like what do you want your photos to say versus just looking at the technical aspects i mean all that you can research on youtube and there's just countless kind of what's iso and those type of um, basics you can learn on your own and so as a photographer it's cool to hear your philosophy and what you're looking to do with it. So thank you for sharing and taking the time to do this. You're welcome. Thank you, Melanie. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
every single might not be the greatest single, but they they somehow fit together and there's a flow between the songs and you you get to know them as a as a group of songs as opposed to you know an individual hit and i think i finding that in in photography i think is a is a is a great skill nice and that's your little bit of after the podcast advice oh okay cool (laughs)